bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit, uh, uh, this shit is bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S, this shit is Trumpanas, T-R-U-M-P-A-N-A-N-A-S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dumb Gay Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we recap the week in politics like we're talking about the week in reality TV. And we are in New Zealand, girl. Hey, guys. Here we are in New Zealand. And we're still in New Zealand, guys. Crossing. But we're still here in New Zealand, guys. That's right. We're on our way to Tasmania. Right. We will be the only two people who've ever been to Tasmania <laughs> in the 21st century. <laughs> I don't even understand who uh, goes there, who visits it. All I know is there's the Tasmanian devil. Right. It's and I hope that knows. we can see it. <laughs> And all we also think that the Tasmanian devil is some kind of actual devil, and really it's just like a little rat. It's an animal. Yeah, a little furry thing. Well, do you think we have coronavirus <coughs> so far? <sighs> I don't know. We have uh, had some no. light sinus issues. Yeah, I mean... I had a run-in with a full pack of Dolcalax, <laughs> which gave me some stomach issues, guys. Yeah, guys, uh, <laughs> if you've ever met, met anyone who's uh, taking a whole entire box of Dolcalax, <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to her right here. Um, I have had so- some sinus issues. I've been taking yeah. Sudafed every yeah. day because okay. I've been having like like a congestion yeah. here with the salt water breeze. But oh, is that what it's from? <laughs> I notice we get allergies every time we go on a cruise. Like I notice our eyes look like we've smoked all of Snoop's <laughs> pot. And they get very dry. It's like recycled air. It's like living on an airplane for however many days. Yeah. But yeah. it's strange. We were, I mean, I can speak for myself. I was having severe sinus issues in LA. Mm. So it feels like somewhat of a break from that. But I'm surprised at how much allergies we've had. But New Zealand is a goddamn rainforest, oh. beach Jungle, forest. beach. Yeah. It's rainforest, jungle forest, beach forest, yeah. beach, beach, regular jungle road, beach. road, jungle, <laughs> yeah. jungle roads, road, f- Amazon. I mean, it's really every is. single thing in one. It yeah. really is. It's Lord of the Rings. It's the Hobbit. Lord of the Rings, jungle. It's all of it. Yeah. It's beautiful forest meets jungle forest meets the beach. And maybe we need to get, maybe when you go into the Shire, <sighs> you've got to have some kind of special lung You've got to really build up your your lung situation because we have been to the Shire, guys. We've been to two Shires, guys. We've been to the main Shire in Hobbiton, out in New Zealand, guys. Hobbiton. Well, we went yeah. to Hobbiton. We went to actual Hobbiton, okay? So for any of the Lord of the Rings fans... Um, the ho- yeah. And you, speaking from experience, you don't have to be a Lord of the Rings fan to appreciate a tiny little Hobbit village that really exists <laughs> in a jungle 
in a farm. Yep. Just cute little doorways with clotheslines and green pastures yeah. and beautiful trees and um, dirt roads and a and a working fucking water wheel and a wagon <laughs> in the middle of the yeah. road and a, a big barrel that has ale in it and yeah. it's gorgeous. Beyond gorgeous. Gorgeous. It's one of the most cutest, beautifulest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Honestly. I kept telling you Here's my idea. We need to fucking get this going. I'm not going to tell my idea here. I might tell it on the Patreon. Yeah, which we promised we would tell it on the... We've done two Patreons. This is late. That's fine. We're on our way to fucking Tasmania, Australia. So fucking fuck off, everyone. Oh, here we go. I and can we, start yeah. if that's the swells are starting. We're going to be in some rough waters. I just... Yep. Yep. So basically, Julie's got an idea that we she hatched at Hobbiton. We saw a Galapagos turtle. Ugh. We're going to snuggle koalas that are going to scratch Julie's eyes out. It's uh, fingers crossed. Always on my favorite thing to do on vacation. We've done it a million times. It never gets old. Is for Julie to hold a wild animal and get her <laughs> eyes scratched out. She's done it with birds, monkeys. Yep. I mean, all different species of monkeys. Snakes. Snakes. I'll the, hold anything. The giant Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. Snake that squeezes you to death. Um, Tarantula. And it wanted to squeeze me to death. Yeah. It wanted, I held on as long as I could, and then I was like, it's time to go. It's time to <laughs> go. It feels, go. it's got a big meal, and I'm not going to be the Big Mac <laughs> for this fucking thing. No, no, no. So, yeah, we do. And I'm still waiting for the thing that happens where we have like a, you know, no, no one's ever actually scratched my eyes out. Yeah. But we, but we've had, we've, we've happened upon, <clears throat> um, a street person holding a monkey on like a rope <laughs> that you're like, you're a vagrant. The yeah. monkey oh, yeah, yeah, is yeah. a murderer. It's trying to steal my coins. <laughs> right. You know, but it's, I'm like, go hold it. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and now it's like a million selfies with like a murderous monkey. <laughs> a pirate monkey. Yeah. I'm going to 100%, even though in Australia it's illegal to actually hold the koala, for whatever reason, I don't know why. And koalas... No, it's not, not in all regions. On the Gold Coast, you can hold the koala. Oh. But Australia, what we've surmised, guys, is that <laughs> New Zealand is basically like California. Yeah. It's got... It's the most beautiful, looks like the south of France, looks like, mm-hmm. you know, Tuscany... Every says every element California has, and like California has the thing where you can go from the beach into the map. You could go surfing and skiing in the same, same day. state in the same day in the same day, and it's got vineyards. It's gore- as gorgeous as California. And then we so we think New Zealand is California, and Australia is basically like the rest of America. Right? Australia is enormous. New Zealand is about the size of California, even though it has less population <laughs> than even just LA. But. Um, so Australia being so huge, it's got a million different rules depending on what oh, region you're in. I see. So we were the region we're going is probably the most Americanized and rules and Sydney and obviously it's burned to a crisp and they but either way they don't let you they don't let you hold koalas. They have rules. Right. But so in, the rules at this place that we're going, I may I did ask, I said, Well, are we going to at least get to touch the koala? And she did make a point to say, oh, oh, she loves to be touched. I can tell you that. She'll be out there loving to be touched. And I was like, good. And then she's going to love a hug Well, basically, me. you were you were intimating what we did in Tokyo, 
which was throw money to let pigs <laughs> scratch your eyes out, meerkats scratch your yes, eyes out. Yes, yes, um, yes. Another monkey, lesbian monkey. That scratched um, your that eyes did out. scratch my yeah. eyes out. Now that monkey did. That was a tiny monkey the size of your hand that basically <laughs> bit you. All it did, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is fine. Yeah, and I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't mind it. I don't. I don't. I'm. I don't need the Galapagos turtle to bite my hand off. No. And I'm not getting in. I am not getting in with stingrays, as we've learned. <laughs> I'm not doing. Like things that will kill you, right? For the most part, but yeah, no. Well, you basically implied we got the quan, uh-huh. get the koala ready for some love making. That's correct. And we will be in a side room with the curtains drawn, <laughs> snuggle dot org. Okay, and we don't need to take a selfie. They'll be like, no. don't document this, guys. That's fine. We're gonna get a you know our place shut down, uh, fine, and right. we'll be like, as long no, no. as we get some <laughs> eye scratching action. It's a win. Yeah, and but and I'll tell you what. Well, I'll tell you what's there's no rules on, and that's the wombat, and we've got an encounter with that too. That is an enormous large rat, basically. What was the thing in the hot tub at? That is a capybara, and a capybara <laughs> is the largest rat in North America. So Julie had her eyes scratched out by that thing too. Loved that it thing. Lolling around in a fucking bathtub <laughs> in a mini mall in Tokyo, and I'm like, what are we doing with a giant rat? And Julie's like, isn't this cute? I'm like, it has hooves. It's so weird and bizarre. It's like a cow. It's literally a rat cow. Banging around in a bathtub. Yeah, like literally. It was a. (laughs) So those we can see. Those are in. in, You can see those anywhere. When I say that we've had your eyes scratched out by everything, literally, and at this point, even in Hobbiton, sheared sheep were attacking us. (laughs) Fucking hungry cows, hungry hippos, everything. So Mm. we're continuing on. We're doing half. We're doing half Lord of the Rings, half animal encounters. Yeah, because as we learned in New Zealand, it's sort of like, unless you're jumping out of planes and skydiving, right, and f- bungee jumping, because it's really just the, the, the natural beauty is the thing. The, the only other thing to do is really to see animals and see the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and for two uh, alcoholic morons, we're like... Where do we drink on a cliffside? <laughs> we don't want to cliff dive. We'd like to no. sit at a bar on the edge of the cliff yeah. and drink and and let animals. Yeah, cl- and I want to see out. the vista. I have a bum knee. I can't fucking yeah. walk up the hill. So if you want to hear more about um, the Shire and Hobbiton and all of those adventures, you're going to have to go to www.patreon.com/slash/dumbgaypolitics, where you will get. Two extra podcasts, so one extra one for one dollar and two for two dollars. It's the best deal you're going to get on Patreon ever per week. So yeah, per week. We already talked about Hobbiton, so that's there for you if you join. Little, unfortunately for everyone, we did another Hobbit thing <laughs> because every stop in New Zealand they filmed another different fucking part of the movie. Right. So now we did this one where like <laughs> Elijah Wood sat in the crook of a tree with his big eyes reading the book or something. And then Julie fucking got her ass up into the tree. She fell down. She scratched her elbow. I'm like, uh, and then we did a side by side. We came in, she's all scratched up and she's like, let's put on the movie now. And then we literally, in the first 10 minutes, we're like, been there, been there, been there, been there, been there, been there, been there. That's what's so funny. Every place that we went is in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Literally. We went yeah. to Hobbiton. We're on the road. We're on the tree. We're then the we're, we're the hideout where yeah. the where the death guy comes. They go under the tree. If you know Lord of the Rings, you know what I'm talking about. The part where the the death guy with the horse and the four hobbits they meet up the other two Pippin and stupid fuckface. They go down into the tree and they're wi- they're hiding and they're Ugh. and then we did that. We did. We got in that nook. There was some kind of 
you know, drifter, shirtless drifter, who took a picture of me and Julie. I'm like in a dress, and then he goes there shirtless, and you do, it's like, what is he, Norwegian drifter? I don't know what the fuck he was. What's going on with I don't know what he was, but at least he put, he did see us coming, and he was like, better put my shirt on. (laughs) This lady's coming to me, or maybe that's a man lady, I don't know, but I'm going to go ahead and put my shirt on now. There were tours going around. I mean... Now, by the next time we do our... Are this podcast, the regular weed podcast, we will be in Australia. We're not right. going to fucks with this podcast in Tasmania. We're going to just bop, bop, bop. We're going to be Australia, babe and Bondi all day long <laughs> on the next podcast. But oh, I that's do right, say, guys. That's right, guys. All right. She's great, Paula. Yeah. It's going to be babe and Bondi. We're going to, you never know. I'm just saying, all I'm saying is it's babe and Bondi all night long. All right. Anyone who hasn't watched Instant Hotel, you need to lube up your nether regions with Instant Hotel because yep. Julie's going to be. We're leaving behind. All right, guys. Hey guys, we're gonna leave behind. Hey guys, we're gonna. Unfortunately, we're leaving New Zealand. We're gonna leave the celebrities from New Zealand. But that's what I was gonna say. So Brian Anderson, who's our one of our Patreon like faves. He told us about come his New Zealand friend visiting him in L.A. They also needed to do animal excursions at San Diego Zoo, because when you're because when you're in New Zealand, you love animals apparently. So, yeah. and his friend said, "Am I going to get to see any silly Britties?" And he's like, "What? Like crazy British people?" <laughs> and she's like, "No, silly Britties." And she meant celebrities, guys. <laughs> guys, I mean celebrities, guys. <laughs> celebrities, guys. Celebrities, guys. Come on, guys. Celebrities. I mean, Brian the accent Anderson. is real. Yep. The accent is real. And Brian, you are forever in our hearts for silly Britties. Silly Britties. I mean, <laughs> it couldn't have been more on the nose, more perfect. It's so right on. This, I can't with this. The accents are, are giving me life. They're giving me life. Yeah. And they're moving on to Australia. And so Where we're going to go deeper, guys. <laughs> we go, New Zealand is up here, like I've told you. And then we go into New Zealand, uh, into Australia, and they're over here. All right, we're gonna shrimps on the barbie. We're gonna see uh, cows, kangaroos, cows. Yeah, cows. Oh, koala. I don't know how to say. How would you say that? Koala. <laughs> I just want to say real quick, on a on a political note, we have been probably lied to by our production <laughs> company Starburns that the Bloomberg campaign reached out. They want to advertise on dumb gay politics uh and we'll take anyone's advertising money who wants to advertise at this point if trump <laughs> wants to come on we're ready i mean and we've and i just want to say uh we don't need anyone fucking his notes first and foremost so if you hear a bloomberg ad please keep your notes to yourself we don't need your notes babe you will get blocked cupcake because i'm about <laughs> to tell you right now we are thrilled to be noticed by any of the campaigns we don't even want their money what we want is to be acknowledged as having 14 fucking listeners who will vote Mm -hmm. and his campaign is the first one to acknowledge us it's not just about having money to spend on every corner of the earth there's nothing to stop andrew yang before he dropped out or elizabeth warren who's struggling to come actually on the podcast she could actually send a spokesperson to come on the podcast. She doesn't even have to come herself. But none of them want, and that wouldn't cost anyone any money. Right. You know what I mean? She could sit in a room and call a hundred podcasts in one day, including ours. Mm -hmm. And they're not doing that. None of the campaigns are doing that. Not only does it (laughs) delegitimize our 14 listeners, it invalidates podcasts 
as a viable audience for votes. Right. Yeah. In general. Where there's so many people who are getting their info, news, whatever from podcasts. Yeah, go call up a fucking Bravo recap podcast mm-hmm. and go and hit the people who are watching Bravo and not the news. Right. They're not just our ours. So you know what? Yes, we will take your Quan's <laughs> Bloomberg campaign. Yes, and and uh, also we're not endorsing. We're just and and it's a it's a campaign. So go well, ahead. Depending go on ahead. the amount of money, happy to give my endorsement. <laughs> now, when we say Quan's, literally, we probably will receive, and I am not overstating this. Twenty five cents. <laughs> I literally think we'll get a quarter, possibly each. Yeah, probably, like literally. That's right. So well. And yeah. at this point, we don't even know if it's even true. <laughs> like, right. we, it's so always no money. So we're like, I guess we'll let them advertise on our podcast. <laughs> can we see a one cent from it? But if it can, uh, if it can uh, be any significant amount of money, I am here for oh the endorsement. <laughs> and I think you're right. I appreciate too that they just noticed us. That's nice. That's all we want, isn't it? All, it's that's all, all we, we want. want. And we want our fourteen want, listeners to want... matter to someone. Exactly. Now it's time for Eye of the Shit Storm. You take some shit, put it up on the wall, check it out for a while. You take that shit up off of the wall, put it down on the floor in a glass bowl. You take some fuck, put it up on the wall where the shit used to be. All right, so this week all eyes are on Nevada as they gear up for their primary election on Saturday. But Bernie won New Hampshire... Andrew Yang dropped out, and we're on a boat in New Zealand with 700 Pete Buttigieg supporters, (laughs) so for now, we're letting the state primary elections take several seats and shifting our attention to the shit show surrounding the United States Attorney General, William Barr. Okay, so basically, one of Trump's main 2016 campaign advisors, Roger Stone, has been on trial for lying to Congress and obstructing the Trump-Russia investigation. Roger Stone is basically the missing link connecting Trump to the Russia's interference in the 2016 election. He was able to keep Trump from getting caught by the Mueller investigation, and he went down like a clown protecting Trump to the bitter end. That's right. And last week, it took a jury less than seven hours to find Roger Stone guilty, and federal prosecutors were asking for a sentence of seven to nine years. But after Trump tweeted that the potential sentence was horrible and very unfair and would be a miscarriage of justice, the Department of Justice intervened on Roger Stone's behalf and requested a far lenient sentence. So being that the Department of Justice, or the DOJ, is supposed to be a non-partisan entity, you guys, they are only supposed to be loyal to the rule of law. They're not there to serve as Trump's personal legal team, That's when the proverbial shit hit the fan. After being overruled, all four of the federal prosecutors assigned to the Stone case resigned, and one of them left the DOJ altogether. It's it's beyond. So now, more than 2,000 current and former Department of Justice employees have signed a letter calling for Bill Barr's resignation. Oh, weird. It's clear that the Attorney General has been compromised and that he is functioning as an asset to Trump rather than an impartial asset to justice. This conflict of interest now hangs over every single federal case linked to the White House and will invalidate any rulings from here on out. It's actually quite a big deal, even though the news cycle has moved on now to Bloomberg at the fucking debate in Nevada, which every time you fucking take a shit, there's another debate, and none of them matter at all, but it is a 
huge deal that the Department of Justice is compromised. It's like we already said to be an impartial branch of government. Right, and you would all um, so if there's there's the White House and the Depart- the White House and Trump and the President and all of them, the Department of Justice is supposed to be the highest legal... Yeah, it's includes, it, it, in, includes in, the Supreme Court, right. all the federal courts, and then Congress. Now we know Congress is partisan. The White right, House right. is partisan. Everyone is partisan except for what is yeah. allegedly the Department of Justice. It's supposed to be about the law. Justice. The minute you start being punitive based on whether someone's a Democrat or a Republican or in line with your political views, we're all screwed. We're all we're screwed. screwed. And William Barr, and like you said, there's no better way to say it than the Department of Justice is not the law firm for Donald Trump. Right. It is not... Weinberg, Bergstein, <laughs> Weinstein, Lernberg, Lernstein, and Purper for fucking Trump. It is, it is the law firm for the country. Yeah, like that's it. There's no, no, no even debate about it. That's what it's supposed to be. And and rest assured, that's why our podcast um, contributor Michael Avenatti went down because oh, his case boy. is a federal case. Yeah. Doing a, he did a thing with Mark Garagos, who is not arrested and is not prosecuted right. and, and was not sentenced. Right. Mark Garagos was, he was partnered up with Mark Garagos in that thing against Nike. That's just an example of the long arm of the law, AKA Trump being like, you fucked with me. You, you came out, you talked shit. You said you're running for president. You, you, you represented Stormy Daniels. You're going down now for doing a thing that Roy Black told us <laughs> all lawyers do. Right. And we, I will say I am, I am, I, it's awful and he's in fucking prison. Okay. And regardless of the other things, we don't know if he's guilty or not guilty of the whatever. There's a there's a whole yeah. other civil case, whatever. However, after meeting Michael Avenatti, I do have to say when he gets out, he's gonna do some butt fucking. Oh, he, he is, is going to he's gonna, butt. He's gonna do some butt fucking fuck. while he's in there, probably <laughs> uh, just for fun and just for shits and giggles. And then when he gets out, he's gonna do some butt fucking. Yeah, he's gonna do some non consensual <laughs> yeah. butt fucking yeah. of men. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> who deserve so. I do look forward to that, because that guy is... If he's nothing else, he's quite a fighter. But that's a perfect example of how the the DOJ has gone off track. Yeah. So basically, this letter that 2,000 nonpartisan, it's Republicans and Democrats, they're former and current employees right. of the Department of Justice, yep. so it's not just one side. 2,000 people is a lot of people. A when lot you of just people. look at the letter, it's like, it'll take you 10 minutes just to look at the A's. It's a lot of people. So the nonpartisan letter said... Quote, Mr. Barr's actions in doing the president's personal bidding unfortunately speak louder than his words. Those actions and the damage they have done to the Department of Justice's reputation for integrity and the rule of law require Mr. Barr to resign. But because we have little expectation he will do so, it falls to the department's career officials to take appropriate action to uphold their oaths of office and defend nonpartisan apolitical justice. Mm, that's good. And that's also scary because if, let's say, with what Mitch McConnell and Trump are doing with all the courts, they're stacking all these courts, and, you know, right. every judge, whatever, all those people they're putting in aren't just necessarily conservative. They're going to be loyalists. They're going to be people that they tend to go, you know, think that the the White House branch is the has all the executive privilege. Like, they're not going to go against the president. So no. we're, we're slowly fucking getting fucked here. Well, so Barr's defending himself, obviously. Of course. He's posturing whatever and being like, that's not, of course, that's not what's happening. He's never been doing that. He, he's, 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 uh, he's got integrity. And, of course, 
he thinks it's te- it's terrible some of those tweets that Trump is doing. He doesn't just t- he's not going to be told what to do. And he said his last thing he said, I won't be bullied. I won't be told what to do. Not by anyone, not even the president. I don't even like some of those tweets. According to Barr, he was already going to recommend a lesser sentence. The tweets made it look like... Yeah, made it look like he wasn't. It made it look like he was falling in Trump. line with what, with what right. Trump wanted. And then even Trump, who gets... Who's, Trump, Trump so doesn't care and is so into it <laughs> yeah. and thinks he is a king and literally got on while he's walking and whatever golf course he's yeah. going on to and was like, no, I know. You Listen, Barr is a man of integrity and do I think that what? Do I think that my the tweets are hurting his investigations and stuff? Probably. Yeah, I'm sure it's annoying for him. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, but, He's you like, know, yeah, I too do bad. Make it, I do make it harder for him. Yeah. But that's, you know. Too bad. So He's my lawyer. <laughs> Barr said, quote, to have public statements and tweets made about the department, about people in the department, our men and women here, about cases pending in the department, about judges before whom we have cases... Make it impossible for me to do my job and to assure the courts and the prosecutors in the department that we're doing our work with integrity. Because you're not. No. You're not. You're not. You're not. Period. I mean, there's not even any. We can clearly see you're not. You're acting as his lawyer. You said even in when you were being um, in your hearing and the reason why not one Democrat voted for you or liked you is because you believe that the president has all the executive power. You believe that the president is above the law. You want to act like you pretend there's all word games and semantics and you're using the law to pretend that it it's not that he's above the law, but it is that he's above the law. And that's the problem. And, and that's why law. you need to go. And every time you see a tweet talking shit about whatever judge, you then go do exactly what yeah, he wants. Yeah, you've been doing everything your client wants. Yeah. The crazy thing is, is that the, the jury four person, right? The foreman of the jury is a woman, the forewoman, whatever the fuck. Uh-huh. So she defended, she came out publicly and defended the four federal prosecutors that resigned. Mm. Trump starts tweeting about this woman. who's a private citizen, a jury. It's not a, you know. Yeah, she's doing jury duty. Yeah, she's doing goddamn jury duty. She's like part of the jury that convicted him in fucking seven hours. Right. We're like, they're like, it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Then all of a sudden the, the prosecutors resign and she's like defending the prosecutors. He starts talking shit about her starts talking shit about the judge. Right. Tweets about the judge. Is this the judge that put Paul Manafort in solitary confinement? Something that not even mobster Al Capone had to endure? How did she treat crooked Hillary Clinton? Just asking. Well, P.S. Paul Manafort, also a Trump campaign advisor, who's now in jail, never was in solitary confinement. And the judge that he's talking shit about isn't even in control of that anyway. Right. The level that he gets away with fucking tweeting about criminals being treated unfairly, and it's just, I can't even, there's no words really to even describe how fucked up that is. The fact that he's not, the fact that he's not kicked off Twitter, and I know that, that Twitter is not going to kick him off, and it's a stupid argument like Kamala Harris, but, but... When you when you're dealing with like let's say Bernie Sanders, there's this thing drama going on right now where Bernie supporters, oh yeah yeah, get violent, right? Violent, their verbal violence and bullying of right. like in of like civilians. It's not like verbally attacking Joe Biden or it's it's civilians who come out publicly of support for someone else, right? They verbally attack them. The fact that Trump 
non-stop incites violence against regular <laughs> yes. people. Yeah, it's crazy. This person, yes, doing jury duty. This one thing um, on speaking to the thing with Bernie bros or whatever, doing that shit. So, and just to make this point, I want to reiterate this point that I heard on the news, which I really enjoyed, which is if you're a, the, these Bernie bros, right, with the, when Elizabeth Warren got in the thing with Bernie they went insane, and the level of sh- the tweet shitstorm against Elizabeth Warren was crazy. But to the point where it was like they were saying gross shit, they were calling her sexist names, yeah. putting snakes, and you know, use cunt and all this all horrible shit. So, it the point is this: that's you know they're gonna do them. But if Bernie doesn't, be- if Bernie becomes the nominee or whatever, the point is like, do you think that people who are going to vote for Elizabeth Warren? or Amy Klobuchar are going to look at that and go near you, you are not creating a coalition. You are pushing people away. Yeah. You are, you are disgusting. You are just like Trump people. You are not going to bring women into the fold. You're not going to bring people into the fold who might weren't sure, were unsure, are feeling like I want to be part of this, 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 you know, uh, revolution. No, because the revolution feels gross and I don't want to be part of that. So you fucking yourself. So, how about that? <laughs> and doopy doo. Yeah, and doopy doo, hiddly doo. Hey, guys. Now it's time to get up close and personal with someone who's running for office, meow meow, in our brand new segment called Candid Candidates. When it's least expected, you're elected, you're the star today. Smile. Okay, this is the part of the show where we get candid with a candidate who is running for office in an upcoming election. It's a brand new segment, and although we hope to do it many, many more times, at this moment right now, there isn't a candidate alive that is a better fit for this segment. That's right, because last April, she made history when she became the first drag queen ever elected to public office in the United States. She currently serves as a council member in the Los Angeles neighborhood of Silver Lake, but she got her sights (laughs) set on Congress, honey. That's right. She's one of eight candidates vying to be the representative for California's 28th congressional district, which just so happens to be our district (laughs) where we live, where our current representative is, Adam Schiff. He's Hollywood. He's West Hollywood. He's Adam Schiff. Well, he won't be for long if our guest today has anything to say about it. So without further motherfucking ado, smile. (laughs) You're on Candid Candidate. It's maybe a girl. Hey, maybe. Hey, Julian Brandy. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm super excited to be here. Well, we're super excited to have you. Now we live in Burbank, just to be yeah, clear. All right. So yeah. we're not in we're not in Hall or well, West Hall. We are Hall. in Burbank, so right. right, nice. Yeah, which you would then be the president of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not yet. I'm actually uh, surprisingly not old enough yet. So give me a few more years. Uh, okay. A few more years. Okay. Well, let's just dive in. Let's, let's do dive it. Dive in because what you're doing is so different and unique and exciting. Let's like get into it. <laughs> let's. Okay. Now. Can you define what 
drag queen means in terms of your identity and running for public office? Absolutely. And that's a question that has been on everybody's mind because there's a few words that I use to describe myself. Drag queen is definitely one of them. Uh, I perform as a drag queen and I've been performing as a drag queen for about five or six years now. Uh, But I also identify as gender fluid uh, on the trans spectrum. So I do identify as a trans person. Uh, To be gender fluid, for those of you that might not know it essentially means that your gender is fluid meaning sometimes you're a little bit more boy sometimes you're a little bit more girl and oftentimes my uh, gender expression reflects that Um, sometimes it doesn't though you know sometimes I want to you know sometimes I'm feeling very womanly and very girlish but it takes a while to sort of do my transformation to you know, and feel a little more womanly. And who's to say what that is? <laughs> exactly. Which exactly. is part of it, too. Exactly. Because woman is, uh, could be, you know, you express it in one way, you express it in one way, I express it in one way, you express it, it in one way. It takes me a while, too. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And ironically, it takes me no time at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's and what's that is great ironic. about being a woman. Right. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I appreciate you asking me that because, you know, uh, I think that a lot of people, when they hear drag queen, they just immediately think man and a wig, uh, which is absolutely not the case. In fact, you know, I I feel like there's also too much emphasis on just drag queens. I feel like there's so much beauty in the world of drag. And I feel as if oftentimes it's mostly that that attention is often given just to drag queens. But there's so many drag kings and drag things that are doing so many cool things. Um, So I appreciate you asking me about that. So, yeah, it's a part of when I when I go out and drag, it's, you know, uh, Monica Beverly Hills, RuPaul's Drag Race uh, queen, she said it best. Um, drag is what I do. Trans is who I am. So I perform as a drag queen. That's what I thought. Exactly. You know? <laughs> That's what I thought so. it was. I was like, well, maybe it's like part of being like a job, your job, too. Exactly. It is. Because sometimes I'm feeling a little bit more boy, but if I've got a drag gig, I can't just show up as a boy you know I've got to put it on and sometimes when I'm out as a boy I'm feeling really girly and I wish that I was you know presenting myself more female but like I said the gender is fluid it's sometimes a little more this a little bit more that uh you know which is different you know and I think that a lot of people don't quite get that and that's okay and what right and we'll help them that's right what brought you to the decision to run for office as a drag queen rather than let's say a gender fluid person. Exactly. So, you know, I it's interesting. I don't want to say I'm running as a drag queen, but I am running under my drag name. So my drag name is not my legal name, but at the same time, it's such a part of my identity and who I how I interact with people. Most people just call me maybe, even if they know what my legal name is, which <laughs> I mean, is Georgie. Just, you call know, me right? Call me maybe. Yeah. Call me maybe. Yeah. You know that's my yeah. that's one of my main jams yeah. that I perform it has to. Be. And it's everyone's jam. It's yes. such a jam. Yeah. I love it so much. Now do you relate to maybe from Arrested Development? Oh absolutely. Yeah. Except yeah. I you know I'm not into that cousin thing, but yeah. but exactly. I yeah I love maybe from Arrested so Development. Do you think the name will like help you hurt you be you know that's a good question um you know and it's interesting because my uh my name may be a girl it's interesting because it's actually also it's very much applicable to my identity as a gender fluid person uh 
you know, it's a lot of people make the joke, oh, maybe a girl, maybe a boy, but it's not really a joke. That's actually kind yeah. of the reality for me. <laughs> yeah. And well, the, the name is funny. It's like a wink, wink. It it's is. cute. It is. It definitely is. It's very tongue in cheek. Uh, like I, as opposed to if your name was like Monica Beverly Hills, somebody might exactly. think that's someone's actual name. Yeah, and I especially would be, um, it might be troublesome because Beverly Hills is just outside of my district, so I wouldn't want (laughs) to cause any confusion there. (laughs) But I do think it's interesting because if you, the name of my campaign, our official campaign name, is maybe a girl for Congress. But if you really think about that, uh, I I do think that we need more women in in Congress. So it's absolutely tongue-in-cheek, but it's also think about it. Think yeah. about it. Yeah, and we were talking about that too. That the name is, in a way, very provocative. Even if you just this, just saying it, just seeing it, looking at it, just the name, you're saying something. Exactly. It's not just a frivolous parody or fun thing. It's really a pointed. You know, it's a let's statement. talk about it. Let's. And right. I'm always happy to talk about it. I think that we should be more open about talking about gender identity, gender expression, things of that nature. So, And when you're, you know, serving as a council member, do you generally, like, present as a girl or I do. Whatever? I do. I do. Um, when I go to my council meetings, I always, you know, kind of go in full—I don't want to say full drag because it is full drag, but at the same time, I try to go with—I try to not— uh, steal the scene in terms of my look. I'm not there to be a distraction, but rather to make sure that we're all included. So uh, I definitely do stand out when I'm at the council meetings. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm not wearing stripper heels. I'm not wearing, you know, a wig that's touching the ceiling. I try to make it a little bit more. I hate to use the word conservative because conservative does not describe me. But yeah. in terms of my look that Traditional. I— Traditional. Exactly. What I wear to my council meetings is not necessarily what I would wear to a drag gig. Right. Right. Are you working like a full contour? Because a glamorous woman's oh, always going to steal. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, the makeup <laughs> is— like, sorry. The makeup's all yeah. there for okay. sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now what made you originally want to run— in the first place, like in Silver Lake. So, well, it's interesting. I've always, I've always had an interest and a passion for uh, not only politics but just civic engagement. And I think that it's so important for people to be civically engaged. And you can be civically engaged in so many different ways. But at the bare minimum, go out and vote. Do something to change and help your community. I one of the things that I hate most is the people that complain and then say that they don't go out and vote. Oh, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know what got me interested in politics? I've actually been interested I've been interested in politics for as long as I can remember uh, I'm originally from Chicago that's where I grew up well I should say I was born in Pittsburgh uh, my family moved to Chicago when I was nine and I lived in the city until I was 27 that's when I moved to LA and when I was uh, living in Chicago I actually um, I tried to run for office in Chicago uh, we had a the mayor at the time mayor Daly was in office for more than 20 years and everybody was shocked when he announced that he was not seeking re-election uh, in the early 2010s, and I said, well, you know what? Maybe I'll run for mayor. And so I was serious about it. You know, I've never been doing any of this as a joke. Uh, part of why I decided to run in back then and now is because I think that we need more regular people in politics, more regular people dictating the legislation and uh, the way that you know, the way the way that we live, I feel as if most politicians will think about it this way. When you think of a politician, what do you think of? You probably think of a middle aged, cis, 
white, wealthy male. And I think that we need to change up the idea of what a politician is. And I think that we need more regular people in office. So I decided to run for mayor in Chicago. And unfortunately, I didn't get the signatures required to get on the ballots. Uh, we were able to get about 1,200 signatures, which is a lot. But you needed 12,000 to get oh on God. the ballot. Yeah. So unfortunately, we didn't qualify for the ballots. And I kind of laid my political aspirations to rest for a while. And I became reinvigorated when I started doing drag because drag is in and of itself inherently political and social. It's a political and social statement to go out and drag because you are defying our cultural, societal, gender norms. And so just in and of itself, drag is political. And I started doing, quote unquote, political drag as soon as the Trump administration took office in 2017. And I started doing impersonations of a lot of the the villains, uh, Kellyanne Conway, <laughs> Betsy DeVos, Melania Trump. Oh. And people were and people gagged over over the, you know, the yeah. um, what I was doing. But I, I said to myself, I gotta do something more. It's not enough just to do drag about politics. I want to be mm. in politics. I wanna be creating the legislation that dictates yeah. how we live our lives. What's the education like like going from, you know, we know we're sort of commentators or we're in it but we we talk about it and you get your news and blah 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 but when you're talking about actual legislation if you didn't go to poli sci school or la 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 like what kind of education are you have were you gone through just getting into it like must be crazy. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing, you know, I think that a lot of people think oh you have to have a degree to do this, to do that. I I would imagine it certainly helps to have a degree in political science. Um, I've taken political science classes. I didn't have one before I started talking podcast. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I had like, to learn so that's right. much. Like that's what I'm saying. What the three branches of government? Is there just and now, three? Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> exactly. But to be in it, and because we, you know, we've we've even talked like if we ran for city council, if you do this, and people wanting to engage, and you think like, my God, I don't even know. I would the, just the paperwork alone. Yeah, you, it's it's a lot to navigate, especially because most people don't know a politician. So you kind of just have to a lot of it is navigating it on your own and figuring it out as you go along. And, you know, I'm still learning. I've been in my council position for almost a year now, and I'm still learning a lot of new things every day. Uh, so it is one of those things where you kind of have an idea of what it's like and then you get into it and you realize it's it's different. and You kind of just go yeah, you go along with it. So yeah. not to, this is like not to be a basic bitch about this, but since you ran for mayor mm -hmm. in Chicago, why not mayor West Hollywood? I would say mostly for me, I I think I don't live in West Hollywood, so I would feel weird going oh, and okay. being like I'm running for mayor in West Hollywood. <laughs> you know, I, one of the reasons I decided to run for the Silver Lake Neighborhood Council is because I've been a resident of Silver Lake and I love Silver Lake and I've been there for. Uh, since I moved to L.A., uh, that's where I've lived the entire time. And I love the neighborhood and has such a, a rich queer history to it. In fact, uh, many people don't know about the rich queer history. And one of the things that I've been upset about is in the five to six years that I've lived there, I've noticed the queer presence being eliminated in that neighborhood. And it's been one of the historically queer neighborhoods in Los Angeles since the 60s. A lot of people don't know about the Black, uh, the black Cat demonstrations, which... <laughs> were one of the first public queer demonstrations in the United States, actually predated Stonewall. And, you know, a lot of that history is being forgotten. Uh, you know, there were so many queer bars in the neighborhood, queer owned and operated establishments. And just over the few years that I've lived there, I have seen them slowly 
uh, dying and disappearing. And it's happening at such a slow rate that it's not necessarily cause for alarm. In mm-hmm. you, It's hard to get people upset about it because it's not all happening at once. It's happening very slowly. But I've noticed a huge difference just in the, the five to six years that I've lived there. And I want to help preserve that queer essence. Do you think that that's an economic thing across the board? Or do you think that's specific to queer whatever? I do. I think it's actually very much tied into gentrification. Um, you know, there's a pattern with gentrification where you have these historically uh, poor to working class neighborhoods and uh, those kind of neighborhoods attract people such as artists and queer people who are historically poor and they bring in a certain kind of culture that is appealing to developers and to uh, more affluent folks and they start to move in, the prices start to go up, more people move in, the prices get higher and the people that created the culture in the neighborhood are forced out. And what's tricky about it is there's there's not really anything illegal about it, but it's but it's it's not right, you know. It's so, wrong. So it's kind of like what you're saying is is yes, queer, you know, uh, businesses and people and whatever are being pushed out. But in a larger sense, what you're really talking about are um, economically less or p- poorer people, mm-hmm. artists or whoever. Yep, it's that that's really being pushed exactly out. because the the common factor between a lot of the OG folks in these neighborhoods. And the artists that come in and the queer people that come in is a uh, socioeconomic status. You know, that's sort of the the common factor between all of them. And there's a beautiful culture between the people that have already been there, the artists, the queer people. And that's that's a draw to people. You know, queer people have historically been some of the most amazing artists and creators of culture. And I'm not surprised that people see that and want to come in and and be a part of that. But they don't realize when they do that that they're often pushing those people out that created that culture into into other neighborhoods because they can no longer afford to live there. So what made you look around the 28th district, <laughs> yours and ours, and say, fucking Adam Schiff, what is he doing besides trying to get Trump out? Exactly. And I will tell you, one of the biggest challenges of my campaign for Congress has been Telling people that I'm running against Adam Schiff because Adam Schiff is in the spotlight right now. It started when he was, um, you know, involved with the Mueller report and now his engagement with the impeachment. And a lot of people view Adam Schiff as a national hero mm-hmm. because of his role in the impeachment. But, yeah, it's, it's tr- you know, it's tricky running against Adam Schiff because he's in such a spotlight right now. But one of the things that I think... I think a lot of people misinterpret him as a progressive uh, because he is pro-queer, which I do appreciate. And, you know, he's fighting to get Trump impeached. So you just kind of think in your mind, oh, he must be a progressive. But the gag is that Adam Schiff is actually very – he's a very middle-of-the-road Democrat. He's very much uh, uh, centrist. He is – he's not progressive whatsoever. So what I've been frustrated about is seeing people who are Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren supporters saying how much they support Adam Schiff when Adam Schiff is actually much more comparable to Joe Biden. Uh, he, Adam Schiff was in office for 20 years, relatively obscure. You know, people didn't really start to know who he was until the Mueller report and uh, yeah. the impeachment. And so, you know, he's kind of recently come to the spotlight. But the thing is, he's not he is not a progressive. He's not good for the people. Uh I decided to run against him. I decided to primary him because of a couple of issues. I strongly disagree with his voting record, especially when it comes to military and defense issues. Uh, If you take a look at who his uh, campaign donors are, 
first of all, he is one of the most well-funded incumbents uh, in the entire Congress. Uh, his you wow. know, campaign fund, he's got millions and millions of dollars. But if you take a look at where those millions have come from, they've not come from small individual donations such as what Bernie Sanders is doing. They've come from uh, political action committees. They've come from different industries that we would probably all agree are skeezy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he takes money from the real estate industry, from healthcare industry, and uh, from the uh, defense industry. Uh, he has taken donations from three of the, uh, the biggest weapons makers in the United States. And then are we shocked that when legislation crosses his desk that pertains to defense issues that he votes in their favor? Uh, he voted for the Iraq war. He voted to keep troops in Afghanistan. He voted to support the Saudi invasion of Yemen. Uh, he just uh, voted to give the military $738 billion, which then a few weeks later, the military goes and and assassinates the Iranian general, and we are now on the brink of war. And so he does a lot of these things that are kind of behind the scenes that a lot of people don't really know about and that I think are quite skeezy. A lot of people also don't know that he voted to give more than $200 million to ICE uh, just last year. And I think it's despicable when his constituency is more than 25% Latinx uh, to you know, to yeah. give that sort of money to, to ICE. I think it's despicable. Well, it's annoying that he wow. um, takes money from real estate groups since mm-hmm. there's a housing crisis. Exactly. And- oh, that's another issue. You know, one of my biggest issues is homelessness. And homelessness, it's such a crisis right now, not just in L.A., but across the entire United States. But we're particularly experiencing a crisis right now. Just this past year, uh, 2019 over 2018, homelessness increased 12% in L.A. County, 16% in the city of L.A., and in certain parts of the district that I'm running in, Homelessness increased up to 40%. In Burbank, right where we're at right now, where Adam Schiff lives, homelessness <laughs> increased 40% 2019 over 2018. That is insane. It's yeah. insane. What about, again, like running for L.A. City Council, which mm-hmm. does a ton with homeless, or even the California State Legislature? Because we asked Kamala Harris a question at the town hall, at the LGBTQ town hall, about you know, about queer homelessness and the youth and everything. But really, I mean, it's not just a, you know, an LGBTQ issue. It's veterans and elderly and mentally ill. Yeah, so many people, yeah. You know, undocumented, like people seeking asylum and immigrants. And it's all, a lot of it is here. And, you know, obviously all in California and New York, we have the biggest two problems. I've always always had an an interest in helping homeless people. Um, And, you know, the way that people become homeless or why they're homeless, there's so many different reasons, you know. It might be addiction. It might be mental health. uh, But oftentimes it is uh, because of the fact that you're just LGBTQIA. Uh, And I think that's one of the reasons that I'm particularly interested in homelessness is because there's an intersection between homelessness and LGBTQIA issues, especially when it comes to youth. Forty percent of of homeless youth are LGBTQIA, which is so disproportionate. So you didn't think about doing the California legislature or L.A. City Council? You know, I had actually I did initially think about running for L.A. City Council. Uh, I live in District 13, but the next District 13 elections are not until 2022. So I said, you know what? I said, you know what, baby, we need more. We (laughs) need more queer people in Congress. And, you know, it is a big leap but to go from— But we need from, queer people on that city council, too, so come we 2022. Do. We do. We do need more uh, queer people on city council. But, you know, for me, one of the biggest things was the fact that there are 435 members of Congress, and currently there are less than tw- less than 10 queer people 
uh, in Congress. And there has never, ever been a trans person in Congress. And I think that is, I think it's awful. I don't think that we as trans people can rely on our Congress people to accurately represent us when they don't have any idea what it's like (laughs) to experience the trans experience. Yeah, that's true. There There's about to be s- probably 50 to 100 in the closet. Just, you yeah, know exactly, I mean? exactly. And yeah. they're probably Republicans. Yeah. yeah. Probably. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, have you spent time in, in our, in, in 28, have you spent time in Burbank, Pasadena, because it covers La Kenyatta, Flint Ridge, mm-hmm. Glendale? We have been all over. We have been, I am so proud of my campaign team. Uh, we have been canvassing and talking to voters since early July. It's been an incredible experience just getting to interact and engage with voters and find out what's important to them, because we all have issues that are particularly important and that we're passionate about. But Everybody has their own individual issues. So it's been such a, uh, a joy for me to to go out and interact with people and find out what's important to them. Why do they go out and vote? What are they voting for? But we have been all over the district. We have been every corner of the district, West Hollywood, Hollywood, Silver Lake. Uh, just uh, last week, we we're up in Sunland, Tahunga, which is all the way north up by the L.A. forest. So we've been trying to get the, the outreach all over the districts. What do you think is on pe- what's on people's minds right now? I think there's a number of things on people's minds right now. I think a lot of people and this is actually something that frustrates me a little bit. I think what's on a lot of people's minds right now is getting Trump out of office, which is something that I think we obviously all agree with. <laughs> but one of, the, one of the things that frustrates me about that is the fact that you have so much more of an opportunity to uh to affect and influence your governments uh, not just by voting for presidents. I I wish that more people were paying attention to who is running for Congress, who's running for the U.S. House of Representatives, and who's running for the U.S. Senate, because that's really where the opportunity is to create legislation that will positively impact all of us. That's why we started this podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. and we're absolutely trying. We keep saying to people, you I mean, know. We're going to go to Kentucky yeah. <laughs> with this podcast, literally, yeah. and stand yeah. at malls and try and just, like, just educate people even bribe them just <laughs> what do they care they just see incumbent next to a you know name and they're you know on the record i will not bribe anybody yeah <laughs> right, right exactly right now where are you going when you go to sunland now are you going to malls are you going to colleges you know we've we've been going mostly residential um so we you know at the beginning of our campaign it was very much about going door to door and talking to voters to get signatures to get on the ballot and you know, we were going door to door. We were also interacting with people in public areas, going to bars, places where people yeah. are going to be that that live there. And um, so, uh, yeah, we've just been kind of going all over. And you're just meeting people and just meeting people, talking to people, campaigning. That's what I you will, do. I will say it's actually one of the things that I feared and dreaded a little bit going into all of this, you know, just thinking about. Oh, my God, going door to door and talking to strangers, it seems very scary, but it's actually been such a positive experience. And I've been delighted to find that there have been very few rude people. I shouldn't say no rude people, but (laughs) most people have been at least polite to interested in our campaign, which I really appreciate. And the thing is, not a lot of people, one of the one of the hardest things about running for Congress, especially as a first-time candidate, is getting that exposure and getting people to know that you're running. Because a lot of people will just vote for the incumbents. Uh, a lot of people don't have any idea about any of the other candidates. For instance, I was in West Hollywood a couple of weeks ago canvassing, and we went to a bar afterwards, and I was interacting with some of the people there. And I 
I told this this gentleman that I was running for Congress in that district, and he was he was so shocked. He was like, "Oh my gosh!" He was like, "Well, I haven't heard of you." And I said to him, "Well, did you know that there's actually eight people <laughs> yeah. running in this contest? Who have you, you heard have of? you heard of any of <laughs> yeah. them?" And I'm no, he hadn't. So, no. and that's the that's what a lot of first time candidates really that's yeah. you know an issue for them, and that's especially an issue for me, you know, considering that Adam Schiff is so in the spotlight right now. But I want people to know that they have the option to to vote for a progressive. And I think if there's any place that we need progressive candidates, uh, progressive representatives, it's right here in Los Angeles. You know, if not here, where? Yeah. I guarantee you more than half of the people living in this district don't know that he's the guy. That's the thing. That's the thing. And, you know, what's really interesting is I've actually interacted with two former staffers of Adam Schiff since I've been running. One of them actually came to the drag brunch that I produce every Saturday at the Standard (laughs) Hotel, Wigs and Waffles. Downtown or uh, Downtown Standard, yeah. And uh, both of them told me he's not the one. He is not the one. Wow. That's some tea right there. Yeah. Wow. That mm-hmm. is some tea. We, I'm sorry. It's called a news break. Yeah, he yeah. is not the one. It's called news flash, everybody. You're mm-hmm. welcome. It's amazing. Is there anything before we let you go? Anything? What tangible things will you do that he's not doing? I would say, you know, again, one of the biggest issues, homelessness. Homelessness, homelessness. On the Silver Lake Neighborhood Council that I'm on, uh, so I'm one of the uh, one of the members of the governing board, but two of my uh, other positions within the council, I'm the co-chair of the LGBTQIA committee, and I'm also one of the homelessness liaisons. And homelessness is such a big issue that I want to address in Congress, uh, not just locally, but nationwide. I think that we need a committee on homelessness because it is a crisis. Uh, so that's a major thing. I also— So you want to start a committee in the House of Representatives, yes. mm-hmm. like how they have— like how um, Cory Booker wanted to start, like oh, yeah, the civil, the, 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 like the, the hate yeah, crime. Yeah. Exactly, that's a good idea. I mean, it's it's absolutely absolutely necessary. But I think also just I think you should vote for me because of mm-hmm. the fact that I uh, we're running a grassroots campaign. My I'm I'm not tainted by big corporate money, and Adam Schiff is tainted by big corporate money. Uh, I will not vote in favor of war issues. I will not vote in favor of ICE. In fact, that's one of the things I want to do is help abolish ICE. I think that there's so many progressive ideals that are worth fighting for right now. And that's another thing is a lot of people have thought, oh, this is a queer candidate. Their platform is just about queer issues. And, you know, LGBTQIA rights are absolutely a huge part of my platform. But that's not the only thing I'm fighting for. I'm fighting for Medicare for All, for the Green New Deal, to abolish ICE, women's rights. Yeah, if you were to speak to, you know, your greater constituency. I would say that um, for me, it's, again, uh, the issue, there's so many issues that we need to be fighting for. It's not just a singular issue. So it's LGBTQIA rights. It's ending homelessness. uh, It's the Green New Deal. You know, the climate crisis is one of the biggest crises of of our age. And it's something that so many politicians are ignoring. And I've been really inspired by uh, by candidates like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who are who are fighting for these issues on a national level. And I've seen so many people inspired by them. I've seen so many people that are, especially in the in this district, saying I'm voting for Bernie or I'm voting for Elizabeth Warren. And if you're voting for those candidates, you should not be voting for Adam Schiff because his policies do not align with them. His mm. policies align, like I said, more middle of the road. And you don't 
you don't create positive, lasting change with, you know, middle of the road policies. You need big, bold policies and we need big institutional change in our nation. So I want to be a representative, not just of the people of Los Angeles, but of the entire United States, because the when I get into Congress and I'm voting on issues, these are issues that are not just going to affect the people in District 28, but the entire United States of America. Mm. Excuse you. So tell <laughs> tell our 14 listeners where how they can support your campaign, where they can find you, when voting is. I mean, yeah, voting. so uh, the best way that you can uh, support us right now is by making a donation <laughs> to our campaign, Maybe a Girl for Congress, uh, which you can do on our website, maybeagirlforcongress.org. We're also still seeking volunteers to help get the word out. Uh, we just had an organizing meeting last week, and we have we have multiple or uh, multiple volunteer events every week up until the election. Uh, so if anybody wants to get involved, please message us on our website. You can also follow me on Instagram at maybe a girl or on Twitter, maybe underscore a underscore girl. <laughs> uh, but the most important thing is to go out and vote. Now, one of the things I did want to also mention is a lot of people don't know this, but voting has changed a little bit in L.A. County. So historically, Election Day was one day you would go to your polling place, make your votes. Now, uh, there's actually an 11-day period to vote. So Election Day is the last day of the voting period, which is March 3rd. But you can start voting on uh, February 22nd. And you can actually vote at any voting center in L.A. County if you're an L.A. County resident. And a lot of people don't know that. So I want people to know that you can vote anytime between February 22nd and March 3rd at any polling place. Uh, There's still time to register to vote. And even if you don't register to vote by that time period, you can still register to vote at the voting centers and uh, you'll be given a provisional uh, ballot. So every, every vote counts. And I, I just get so disappointed when I when I talk to people that say they don't vote because every vote counts. If I just want to add one one more thing, the regardless of the outcome of the election, I'm so proud of this campaign because of what it's done for visibility for for queer people and trans people. And like I said, there's never been a trans person in Congress. So just for us to get on the ballot is a huge step. And I hope that what I'm doing encourages other queer people, other trans people, other progressives to go out and run for office. And, and you're going to keep doing it, right? I'm going to yeah. keep doing it regardless of the outcome of the election. Yeah, good. You know, I still have my position on the Silver Lake Neighborhood Council, and I'll either run again or run for something else. You have not seen the last of Maybe a Girl. Now it's time for So There's That. So this is the part of the show where Julie has to find something positive that's happening amongst all the shitty-ass shit that goes on every single minute. Andrew Yang dropped out of the race, so our $1,000 a month dreams are dead in the water. So other than the fact that New Zealand exists and seems to be <laughs> unbothered by mundane things such as politics, I have no idea what she is about to pull out of her ass right now. So ma'am, ma'am. Is your so there's that of the week that New Zealand exists? You <laughs> caught me. Here. God damn it. It's called koalas, guys? Wombats? <laughs> it's called Galapagos turtles, guys? So there's that. I wish that that's what it was. This might be one of the hardest weeks ever in the world. Um, I, I, I literally... We're late. We don't have any access to wireless. I, I really. could barely 
scroll through websites. So they're, well, they're blocking our IP and curating. Yeah, what, fuck you all in America. So there's see. that. Yeah, How dare you not see. let us get HBO Go? HBO Go. And even when we go on CNN, it's like. We're seeing weird stories of yeah six year olds murdered by right. their neighbor in like England. I'm like, why is this on the cover of CNN? It's this. <laughs> I don't understand why they're censoring us like this. It's so the only thing I could find now. <laughs> I even it, it it's it's bittersweet. It's very bittersweet, and I know it's going to be controversial here. Now <clears throat> I hate to give this guy any credit, and I'm very bothered to have to do it. Oh God! But you. this is going to be but. Since I couldn't possibly make this week's So There's That about Bindi Irwin owning an adorable pug. <laughs> Found that out. Uh, well, yes, we have been stalking Steve Irwin's <laughs> daughter's Instagram, guys. Yep. Oh, God, dog. Because Steve Irwin was killed by a stingray, guys. But his daughter is working the family. The whole family works at the Australian Zoo. Yeah. They're all into animals. The fucking daughter just got married. She has two dogs. One of them's a pug. And I was like... <laughs> so Yeah, we basically saw what our chances were of paying off Bindi Irwin to hold a koala. It looks slim to none, so we moved on to smaller zoo with exactly. more shady morals and exactly. integrity. That's right. Now, uh, and of course I couldn't make the so there's that, the plate to save the koala bears that have all been but burned off the face of the earth. I guess this will have to do. This week, Amazon CEO... Thirst Bucket, oh, that's right. King, Oligarch, and I guess American Monarchy and Monopoly winner-takes-all chief, Jeff Bezos, has pledged $10 billion to fight climate change. And I mean, since no one else is doing it, you gotta give credit where credit's due. And I am trying to be more open, and I am trying to not... I to, saw... to find people's 360 degrees. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, is that the correct way to say that? You mean you want them to be three-dimensional? Yes. Three-dimensional. Right. Rather than one-dimensional. Yes. I mean, I could... Three, six, yes. Yes. So you want to see all... The, you want them to the be... The good, complete. the bad, and the ugly. And okay. even even yeah. shitty people can do good things. Yeah. So, Andrew Yang tweeted, you know, and Andrew Yang comes for Amazon a lot. Andrew yeah. Yang definitely was like, this is a good start. It was not enough. Well, exactly. <laughs> so... The billionaire climate change torch needed to be passed for a while, and God knows the endless black hole of need, Jeff Bezos, was right there to pick it up. <laughs> and I need to humble myself enough to be able to appreciate it. So here's the scoop. On Monday, Jeff re-announced he's pledging $10 billion towards climate change. And I do want to point out, he made this announcement on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> I mean, that's girl. A, that's a girl, lot. It's a lot. That's a lot of money. $10 girl. billion dollars is a lot of money. Now, to him... That's probably all of the taxes that he didn't pay that we all paid, which is fine in a year. Now, apparently, the nuts and bolts are as follows. He has developed an initiative called the Jeff Bezos Earth Fund. And basically what it is, it's a bunch of grants in order to fund scientists, NGOs, and activists. So it's the very first step in the climate change fight. So he's going to... Basically, this is the information and data gathering stage. Man, I, I like this, so there's that. It's very uh, educational and interesting. So the thing that they all do, these candidates, the thing that they always say about Amazon is that it's stifling innovation. That's the main thing they say about Facebook and Amazon is that it's stifling innovation because these they're huge monopolies that take over the space. So not even in tech, nobody's innovating in tech anymore. Silicon Valley, they're just generating. Yeah, well, be, and there's because there's no way they'll take you out of the market. Right. So the fact that he's taking over the torch that these candidates pretend they're going to do and inspiring the next generation of 
clean energy innovators is really very exciting because the thing with Amazon, too, is that he's got all the economists. He employs all of the economists. I mean, you know, there's it's that's that's why it's very bittersweet. It's like good. It's like, of course, they need scientists and activists and um, non-for-profit organizations and these people who are trying to figure out how to fix the climate problem need money. That's what they need. They need money. Now... Yeah, and it's they, and they need to get paid, not just be nonprofit. Yeah, they need right. to be rich. It's from not it. just the funding of how do I'm going to pay into watching this experiment about wind. It's also I need to live and feed yeah, my family. And I want to be rich from my genius. Yes, the way right. Jeff Bezos got rich. Exactly. So yes, he's controlling that, but it's got to start somewhere, and the money has to come from somewhere. Now Tom Steyer, who is one of the candidates, is definitely a guy who's constantly like, I give money to climate change. I give right. money, and he does, and he's been trying in, in his way as well but he's busy now because he's taking his money and making commercials <laughs> to become president right. so and he's not he's doing it in the way you said in the non-profit way trying to community re- organizing retrofit buildings as opposed to right let's figure out there's a hole in the ozone layer we need to figure out how to close it apparently yeah, let's, and or fund cover it right. they're all putting money into fucking NASA and making blasting off and living on Mars right 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 now Here's the other interesting tidbit I found. Apparently, Amazon workers have been very angry at Jeff Bezos. Shock. And a bunch of them signed a letter saying, Amazon needs to go carbon neutral by 2040 or else. And you know what the or else was? Nothing. Yeah. We're not going to work today because no one's quitting their job because if we lose our jobs, as we all know, we will die. Every single one of us. I mean, me too. And he's like, okay, well, I'll make sure by 2040 I've got robots replacing all of you that (laughs) can't write me letters. So they're all, exactly. So apparently there's an entire group called Amazon Employees for Climate Justice. The group that, so they staged a walkout last year and they are, they're, they're basically a group that's allegedly keeping his feet to the fire, so to speak. They're keeping him, um, he says he's going to give money to climate change. This group is coming in and being like, if you don't fucking give that money, we're going to fucking fuck your wife yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to yeah. fucking kill you. We're, we're sick of mistress. this shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's this, and, and I thought that was interesting too, because we knew about the Glamazons on in Amazon, which is the gay and lesbian group. Amazon is so big and we don't, the scope of Amazon is so big that it's almost like its own, um, working country and he is very very affected by the pr of these groups right so it's like you said like the glamazons and there's another gay uh lgbtq iaa ftp (laughs) that there's he he gets very affected by the public perception of amazon like he constantly Mm. i've seen commercials now where it's like we support small businesses. And it's like, no, actually, because you now understand your next commercial is going to be, we pay taxes this year. Right. He's doing everything he can to fight the public perception right. that, that he's the nightmare eating up the right. world. The world. Right. So I think it's great that this group exists, like you said, because that's the only way to get to him is by right. hitting him where it hurts in the public perception. Yes. And the fact that it's coming from his, I think the, and it's good for all of us to know that within Amazon, they aren't just, you know, people need their jobs and they need to work. And Amazon is a huge purveyor of jobs. And people are at least coming together within that little infrastructure, big infrastructure, I should say, and being like, almost like a union. Like, we're not going to, f- listen, we need our job, but fuck you, man. Yeah, they're forming Go, their own union. Fuck it's a good you. call. Which is great. Yeah. So it's great. So then we have a, one of our 14 listeners literally is a fucking Glamazon right. at Amazon. Yeah. So that's how many people work be- there. It's that we would have one listener yeah, that works it's there. It's crazy. He then went on Twitter 
<laughs> and because uh, he just basically finished off paying off or building or whatever this new wind farm in Arizona. So there's all these thousands of like wind turbines. Those Palm Springs things. Yes. Which is going to create like all this new wind energy and, and which is also great. But the motherfucker was standing on top of the wind thing on the very stop top. Stop it. With, you know. Bald with his thirst yes. buckety bald head. Yes, yes. He took a champagne bottle and he hit the thing and it was like, you know, we are, here's the new wind farm. Yeah, he's like, order some wind on Amazon. <laughs> yep. We'll deliver you some cheaper energy. I'm taking this over too, guys. Taking over the monopolizer, <laughs> king, ruler, and destroyer, <laughs> and uh, creator of the earth, new god, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> you know, I for all his shitty things, and we will never stop fucking, you know, never. pointing the finger at Jeff never. Bezos. Like I said, I want to give credit where credit's due, and it's climate change is scary. The climate crisis is real, and I really do appreciate that this guy who's got the money, which is actually our money, that which is our tax money, it's, he's um, also using it as a tax write-off. <laughs> exactly, is at least going to start to fund some people who are going to try and fix this problem. So there's that. it for this episode of dumb gay politics we love you guys we want to thank you so much for being here if traveling through middle earth has taught us anything <laughs> it's that we're so grateful to all 14 of you for listening to this stupid fucking <laughs> podcast week after week it's an up at dawn pride swallowing siege and we do it because of you guys that's right guys we sure do guys another thing we do because of you guys are patreon podcasts <laughs> Won't you please consider signing up? Won't you? Won't you please? Won't you please consider signing up, guys? <laughs> if you don't, if you haven't already, and you know someone who has not, please tell them to sign up for our Patreon, guys. It's how we make our money, which is how we survive, which is how we are able to offer this podcast for free. So if there's any part of you that has an interest in hearing us not talk about politics, then go over to patreon.com slash politics and sign up. You can do $1 for one podcast a week or $2 for two podcasts a week. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. And maybe a girl. That's right, guys. <laughs> maybe a gal. How'd you do, I? See, you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little broad dime because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look Don't judge a book by its cover I'm not much of a man by the light of day But by night I'm one hell of a lover I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania Let me show you a rhyme and maybe play you a sign. You look like you're both pretty groovy. Or if you want something visual that's not too abysmal, we could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. I'm glad we caught you at home. 
Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat world. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Why don't you stay for the night? Right. Or maybe a bite. Right. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan. And he's good for relieving my tension. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> so, come up to the lab. And see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> But not the symptom. <laughs> <laughs> 